0: A CTV news journalist struck and critically injured while reporting on a car crash. Montrealers arrested in 2012 and 2015 while protesting might be eligible for a new settlement. At least 43 people have died after a head-on crane collision in Greece. And Dow, the petrochemical company, is exposed for yet another recycling scam that isn't working. Good morning. It's Thursday, March 2nd. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. Alison Sandstrom and Krista Simpson from CTV News Kitchener had to report about their colleague yesterday after Stephanie Viela was hit by a sedan while reporting. Viela was covering a crash south of Guelph, Ontario for CTV. She was there to report about another incident where someone had been airlifted to hospital after a collision. The intersection where the initial crash happened was closed, and that's where she had been reporting from when a sedan went through the barrier and hit her. Her injuries are serious. No one should be injured while doing their job, and this is not just a tragedy, but also a failure of some sort. Hopefully, we'll find out in the next couple of days what exactly happened. There's not much question, though, that police failed to adequately secure the scene, regardless of what triggered the driver to drive past the road closed barrier. Police said it was too soon to know if charges should be laid against the driver. Murder by car is so fascinating to me. When someone kills someone accidentally, they're usually charged with manslaughter or criminal negligence causing death, but not when they kill someone using their $65,000 chunk of metal. This is, of course, an outrage. If the barrier wasn't that obvious, or if there was some reasonable assumption for why the driver just made a very tragic error, it's unlikely that they will be charged. I'll also add that, annoyingly, the point that the driver appeared to be elderly was added to the story. Remember that someone's age might play a factor in dangerous driving, but my God, it's not at all an indicator. It just feeds ageist tropes. And besides, someone's age wouldn't be a factor in determining whether or not they would be charged. Now to Montreal, where a class action lawsuit is finally going to be settled related to mass arrests during protests in 2012 and 2015. The Canadian press's Jacob Sarabin reports that the city has agreed to pay $6 million. This will translate into about $1,500 per person who's part of the class. 3,119 people were kettled by police and/or detained during the two years of protest. The protests were mostly student protests, but the settlement also includes the folks who were detained during protests against police brutality and against the Formula One in Montreal. The city also has to apologize. Serebin writes that the apologies wording will say that the city acknowledges, quote, certain acts taken by police and the municipal administration towards participants in the protests covered by these class actions violated some of their fundamental rights, causing them harm. One note that I'd like to add is that in 2015, there were two student protests in March of that year in Quebec City, and they were also kettled. Students, as some as young as 15, were held outside for hours and hours and hours at the end of March. The temperature dropped to about minus 13, and the police took their sweet-ass time processing every single one of them. One of these kettles happened to be right outside of my house, and so I can say that they took their time with confidence. I watched it all happen. The two kettles were the result of a police miscommunication. The students' cases were all tossed eventually because processing them all was just taking too long. The students had sued the city for how they were treated that night, and that lawsuit was unsuccessful. Now to Greece, where a head-on collision between a passenger train and a freight train has killed 43 people. 57 have been hospitalized, and authorities expect the death toll to rise. There were about 350 people on board, according to NPR. It happened near the city of Larissa. The Prime Minister has said that the crash was likely caused by human error. The station master said that he made an error directing the two trains, which resulted in them both being on the same track. He made the error because a 25,000-volt power cable exploded and fell onto a different train. This caused the stationmaster to direct the passenger train onto a different track to avoid electric shock. This is when it collided with the freight train. Kostas Karamanlis, the Minister of Transportation, resigned after visiting the crash scene. He said that the rail system in Greece is badly outdated and he failed as minister to adequately prevent this from happening. The head of the National Rail Agency also resigned. In 2017, Greece privatized its rail system. They sold their lines to Ferrovie dello Stato, the Italian state railway group. The sale was part of the conditions tied to Greece's international bailout amid the economic crisis at that time. Whether or not that privatization played a role in this crash is not explicitly stated in the article, but it is an interesting aspect to this. They no longer controlled their own rail systems and they had to rely on foreign company. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, wow, people took immediate responsibility for this tragedy, that's so surprising. You should be surprised. Reminder that 47 people died when a runaway train incinerated the downtown of Lac-Megantic. No politicians resigned as a result of that, even though regulatory failures were largely to blame for the conditions that made that tragedy possible. And finally... Reuters has an excellent investigation into what's happened to old shoes that were donated to Dow, the petrochemical giant. Dow launched a program in Singapore that promised that all old running shoes donated to Dow would be ripped apart and the rubber from the soles of the shoes would be used to create playground installations and rubber flooring. Drop-off points were set up all over Singapore, and people were encouraged to get rid of their old running shoes in this way that would ensure that they did not end up in a landfill. Reuters journalists decided to see if this was actually happening. They put trackers into 11 pairs of running shoes and found that not one of the pairs that they had put into different drop-off zones across Singapore made it into being playgrounds or flooring. What they found was that most of the pairs of shoes that had trackers in them were all sent to a company called Yawk Impex. They are a secondhand goods exporter. One of the pairs of shoes ended up in a bazaar in Jakarta. One ended up in Bantam, an island just south of Singapore. Four pairs of shoes ended up in parts of Indonesia that were too remote for the journalists to get to in person, and three others stopped chirping their location after having landed in Indonesia. The program is sponsored by several companies, including Decathlon and banking giant Standard Chartered. Reuters reports, quotes, the finding comes as environmental groups say chemical companies like Dow are making exaggerated or false claims about recycling in order to burnish their green credentials and to undermine proposed regulations to rein in the soaring production of plastics used in single-use packaging and fast fashion. The program, when it was launched, claimed that it would divert 170,000 old pairs of shoes each year from the landfill. Instead, of course, of doing what the program said that they would do, they have been sent to Indonesia. That creates a really big problem for Indonesia. They struggle with a thriving secondhand market. The merchandise that they are sent through companies like Yock Impex tends to be garbage. Not only does secondhand merchandise undercut local manufacturing and businesses, but it's usually so damaged that it cannot actually be used. Indonesia then has to trash it. Dharmash Shah with the Global Alliance for Incinerator Alternatives told Reuters, quote, it just gets burned in open dumps or goes into rivers or in landfills. One of the market vendors who buys used shoes from secondhand traders like Yock Impex told Reuters that sometimes they have to throw out half of the shoes they receive because they're not good enough to sell. The article ends with some classic Dow promises to do good for the environment that were all failures or fake. In 2021, Dow said that they were turning plastic waste into clean fuel in Idaho. Reuters found the program was just burning trash to fuel a cement plant. They also promised to collect plastic in India from the Ganges and turn the waste into clean fuel. The program shut down pretty much right after it started due to equipment failures. Reuters reported on that, too, in 2021. The project was run by a group called the Alliance to End Plastic Waste, a nonprofit set up by big oil and chemical companies. Amazing. I really encourage you to check out this investigation. It's long. It's detailed. It's well done. And it's pretty shocking the way that Dow tries to greenwash what they actually do, how how much of a problem, how much of a part of the problem they really are. And before I end, I want to just say, folks in PEI, thank you for teaching me the proper way to say Surrey, Souris, Surrey. I had mixed you up with Manitoba. You must get that a lot, right? The red sand and the grass and the flat land, right? Souris, Manitoba, Surrey. That's how you pronounce it there too, right? Anyway, it's Surrey if we want to get really uh, specific about it, but I got it Surrey, Surrey PEI. Sorry, Surrey PEI. This is Nora. It's Thursday, March 2nd. Those are your headlines for the day, and I hope you have a good one.